Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as Sue Pullen, and I'm pleased to announce that she's back, fresh off a rebrand and ready to help as Sue Mackey. Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackey it happen for you. The best way to reach her is just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email, spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, spullen at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hats on your face. Well, hello everybody and welcome to the China Shop. Today we are going back. Back to the Futures, that is, for a much-anticipated Delta episode, where Baba Yaga from Vanta Trading is going to break down what Delta is, why it's important, and how we can incorporate it into our own trading. So, Baba, do you think we can do uh, all this in an hour and still have time to answer questions at the end? <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know, but we're going to give it a shot and see just how far we can get. I am anticipating a two-parter, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm okay with the two-parter. Also, I started a uh, a one-hour countdown on one of my screens just to be mindful of time. Oh, there's a on the recording window. It's on there too. Mm, well, you know yeah, that would yeah, be, yeah. you know, it is what well, it maybe, is. Should probably stop wasting time then. Huh? Yeah, let's get into it, dude. <laughs> All right. Well, first though, uh, you got anything new going on at Vanta that you want to promote before we uh, jump into the meat of this? Um, what's going on? Yeah, advance. Um, so I like the way you say it better than I do. First of all, you say Vanta, it sounds really nice. And I say Vanta, like I just crawled out from under a rock. Um, you say it like you're from the South. I say it like I'm from South of the border. (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, we, we realized that, um, a three day trial was not really fair to, um, an end user because if you joined the three day trial on a Friday, Saturday and Sunday counted towards a free trial, and there was no way to adjust for weekends. Mm. So the most recent thing we've done with that is changed to a seven-day free trial. So uh, I think that's pretty cool um, because that gives – no matter when someone joins, that gives them five weekday um, yeah. trading sessions with us. And also, um, you know, then that's five morning preps. That's five uh, trading the opens, and then that's an opportunity to – interact with the community, ask questions, kind of um, get a chance to learn a little bit about what we do. So I like that. Uh, that that's that been cool. We've had a lot of people spend trials with us. Fair amount of people stay around, which is cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're just uh, grinding, dude. We're, we're trading, doing plans and trading the open every day. Putting out lots of content too. Yeah, we're trying to. One of the places we're trying to grow, um, while while we're smaller, um, I would say we're reaching out to members and trying to learn what what do they use to approach the market every day. 
Mm-hmm. Um, what differentiates their approach from, say, my approach or bank's approach? And then um, where's it, where are areas that they feel ill-equipped or just like they could be better equipped? And then banks and I are trying to put our heads together to either put out content if we think that's broadly applicable or offer um, – you know, for obviously for no charge, but just like, hey, let's jump on a call on a Tuesday evening when the kids are in bed and screen mm-hmm. share and talk through whatever is, you know, giving you a difficult time or whatever. I mean, because we, I mean, I think you know well enough, know me well enough. Like, we really, really, really want to see our traders um, succeed and and learn, um, like learn the things they need to learn to be successful. And that's a large, in large part, that's as going to be wrapped around a consistent approach um every day the same way and then um honoring your work enough to execute inside the bounds of that work and so i actually had uh, like an hour phone call today with uh a new trader and then i had lunch on um with a guy that actually lives local to me who's a trader oh, that's awesome um just talking through process and um you know trying to help yeah. him figure it out i love it man all right. Well, where do you want to start then here? Well, I think we should probably start like at the very beginning. So, um why why what is delta? I think like uh, le- yeah. like let's talk in the observing space for a minute. So, um you know, we we talked about a couple ways to frame this up. So, we talked about like what, why and where, and we also talked about like observing delta um as a as a tool and then we mm-hmm. talked about interpreting that tool um like what can we infer from it and then how do we apply it and i would love to get to apply if we can because i think the i think uh, the apply becomes really easy though if you learn to observe and interpret well mm-hmm. what what delta is doing so um quite simply put most people are probably familiar with delta from options contracts and in some ways there's a similar relationship in the futures market as delta has to an options contract okay so with an options contract um or at least the way i think about it so with an options contract you guys know with your with your options uh plays in um and then some of the guests like the guy you have on on wednesdays talks a ton about options and the deltas and staying neutral and all that eric yeah and so yeah super cool guy so when you look at Delta and options, it's how much will the options contract move up or, up or down if the security moves, say, at uh, like a dollar. Right. So if it's like a 30, if it's like a 30 Delta, then a $1 move in the underlying should equate to a 30 cent move in the contract, right? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Oof. Yeah, that's correct. And so, yeah, you nailed it. And so that, <laughs> that to me, um, tells the story of exposure. And I think that's why when Eric is talking about his plays on earnings and mm-hmm. the way that he is um, anticipating, at least in some of his setups, he's anticipating um, an overestimation of volatility. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to stay very Delta neutral to capture that, um, like that inefficiency. Right. And so I think, and so he's trying to stay, you know, not exposed to those moves and just capture that, you know, the overestimation of the volatility. And so when you think about Delta as it relates to futures, um, and we'll talk about how Delta is made, but if you have a lot of Delta in a given area, 
whether that delta is figure if you derive you know if you come to the idea that there's a lot of delta there if you're looking at a delta profile like a volume profile so delta by price or if you're looking at candles that are that are painting based on a certain delta threshold or if you're looking at any other litany of those things what it what it can tell you is the exposure that a trader or the market in general has to fluctuations in price from that point forward so if you have a ton of negative delta in an area then the people that created that negative delta either individual person or people they are now exposed and then that kind of loads the market with potential because most people have stop losses uh, and most people don't want to take a ton of drawdown. Right. And so there's exposure and potential whenever Delta is present. Now, it's not quite as correlated as an options contract. There's a little more nuance with like applying it. But that general idea is what sucked me in to really um, making Delta like a key part of how I approach things. Okay. I, I'm not sure I fully grasp what you're what you're saying there because I'm thinking of Delta as it relates to futures is just the difference between uh, market bids and market sells. Yes. Basically like it's an indicator of who is the aggressor. Right. At any given point. Yeah. So how does that equate to exposure then in that case? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a good question. So, and again, this is some like inferring on my mm -hmm. part, which we have to do with any tool. And before I go any further, let me just say that Delta is in no way magic. Yeah. It in no way is the one thing you should watch. Like it's it's just a part of the story that 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 it's a paragraph or it's a page of the of the overall yep, story. Yep. You know, it's it's part of it, but it's not the whole thing. So if you think for a second about uh, what makes Delta and what you mentioned mm -hmm. it, right? It's the it's the volume trading at the ask price minus the volume trading at the bid price, bid minus ask equals yep. delta, right? It's either positive or negative. And and that is the thing. Um, so when you think about, let's just pretend like it's you or like this is the way I think about it. It's me and my ideas okay. against the chart and what I'm seeing. Okay, so I'm assuming that everything that happens on the chart is one other person and then it's me, right? Okay, okay. That's the way I think about it. And so if I see on the chart, for instance, let, let, like we could actually use a real life trade example to, to kind of answer this question. And it, it was from today and it'll make me look great. So that's always good. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so today we had, um, I had, uh, I had three places where, um, well, let's focus on the, the best one. There was a couple of places I took longs today. Um, and ultimately the long that ended up being the one that I rode till, uh, you know, late in the afternoon, um, came from this type of Delta setup. So if, um, if, if you are tracking Delta and a candle per candle basis, mm -hmm. which we can talk in a little bit about how you do that, we had, um, uh, greater than 300 negative Delta that was produced in a candle that pushed a new low from 13,374 down to 13368 uh for any just for anybody following along or wanting to look up uh this is from thursday the 11th that we're recording thursday this. the 11th and, and nq and that candle happened at 10 33 and 30 seconds a.m if you're looking at a 512 trade chart 
we want to get real specific. Just I'm gonna write it down so I it can happened know. at ten thirty three thirty on Thursday, uh, the fifth, the eleventh of May. I'll just I'll see if I can grab a screenshot of it. Well, here's what I'll do. I'll just uh, I'll well yeah you can grab one. I can send you one after this too. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but yeah, so that candle um, that came in from three seventy five down to or three seventy four three seventy five down to 368 that created greater than 300 negative delta now some of this is some of this is just from my work and watching the market but if in 512 trades we have greater than 300 delta either way positive or negative it's more than half the trades that's more than half the trades that that shows um like somebody stepping on the gas pedal right Mm -hmm. so again back to our analogy i am watching 13370 because from the TPO work that I do every day, 13370 is kind of the top of a distribution. And if we get accepted back inside of 370, then that creates a different scenario. But until we do that, I was leaning towards um, finding a long to buy, which is a little different for me because we're below the OR. But that strategy is another conversation for another day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But wanted to buy 370 or something really close to 370. If there was an opportunity that presented itself when we got there. Well, when we got there, sellers slammed the, ga- the gas pedal. They create, they made a new low on extremely high negative delta relative to what we, you know, what, what was happening in the candles preceding that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we peaked from the low of that candle. We went from, so that low was um, 368. Um the only follow through that those sellers again, so we're, I'm pretending like that was one guy. That guy yeah. made that decision. He sold the heck out of that down to 368. He got seven points of follow through. And then Ooh, we got yeah. aggressive buyers step in. Um, we had greater than 200 positive delta, I believe, or great, yeah, greater than 200 positive delta on the candle that after the candle that made the low. And uh, then we got followed up by another candle with greater than 200 positive delta. Okay. And then we pulled back one more time to like 61. And then we shot out like we were blown out of a cannon. And we went from, you know, 61 or 62 to 408. So we went, you know, uh, uh, 60 something points just in a straight line. So, so using this as candle by candle. Mm-hmm. Basically, what you're seeing is let's see if I can just recreate the narrative here. Yep. Somebody sold the low with size aggressively. Yep. He didn't get much follow through. And in fact, the market immediately bit it back up. So he's now, like, if I'm making that trade, if I'm the one who throws some size down expecting to push through this level and I see that it doesn't move, I'm getting terrified. Right. And so then, so the, so what I infer, so what I, what I did is that showed me that there was interest in the area that I was wanting to take a trade. Mm-hmm. So I got long, um, at 71, um, as we pushed back up off that low. Yep. Um, and then I held that thing for the entire afternoon. <laughs> I scaled out of it. <laughs> the reason I was able to pull the trigger is because now not only do I have somebody who, again, if I'm thinking of it as one person, someone who's extremely exposed, mm-hmm. right, because of the of the implications of Delta, they market sold that. And that's the other thing, like, right. what makes Delta is market activity at market. Yeah. Now, we can infer from how much the candle moves 
what the limit side presence was as that at market activity happened. Mm -hmm. So if we have a wide bar, high delta candle versus a smaller, and that's relative, right? right versus right. a smaller candle that makes a lot of delta, then you can infer, well, how thick was the bid? How thick was the offer? Whatever. Uh, so um, you could also watch the absorption. tape. But, but that candle, right. yeah, that candle wasn't huge, but it wasn't tiny. What was that? So it's like, that's like the concept of absorption. This guy's exactly trying right. to sell into this level, but someone's sitting there passively buying it up. Mm-hmm. Or like in this scenario, um, and it was tricky, like there's some nuance to applying this. And that's the other thing. It's like if someone is listening and they get really excited about the idea of Delta, like, oh, my gosh, this is what I've been waiting for. It's probably not what you've been waiting yeah. for, first of all. <laughs> and then second of all, um, you need to like I highly recommend that somebody just watch before incorporating any kind of new tool set ever, but especially something like this, because this is really I mean, there's there's Here. there's 30 times during the day where you'll have high delta. That means nothing. So the lo lo location of that delta plays into mm -hmm. how much credence I give to whether it's actionable or not. Because I'm again, I'm trying to think like, is this person are they making the right choice down here? Mm -hmm. And like, it, it it should they have to be working that hard to move price that far? Right. And in my opinion, coming into 70, the answer was no. Like that was a stop run off of that. Um, in my opinion, that was a stop run off of the early equal lows that we had from the from like a little chop zone that we created from 79 to 94. And so I just waited um, for us to get that peak below and then have a reason to get long, which again, I had a level at 70 that was important to me. And then I had tools confirming the activity in that area. And so it, it was, you know, that's what, that's when Delta is really helpful and plays to your side. It's, it's a confirming tool almost. Or it's a confirming, confirming tool confirming, and it, it's, it just gives context. It, well, it helps tell yes, the story. Yes. It gives context and tells the story. Exactly. And, um, and so again, for, for, for clarity, we're talking about Delta as it comes in on a candle by candle basis. Mm-hmm. And that's one way that I look at Delta and probably one of the main ways I look at Delta, definitely not the only one, but that's why that's what Delta is. So that's, it's the difference in bid and ask and then why we would use it because it shows us exposure and potential. So I, I oh, felt very okay. confident. It's hard to say that you know anything in trading, but I felt very confident that with that level of exposure into the lows, into a key level for me that I'd identified prior to market, with that kind of exposure, we could see a move that finally moves the NQ outside of this fairly small range that we traded for the day. I was also on guard today for a balance day because um, we peeked out of this uh, old area, this old distribution area, this prior balance area. And a lot of times, you know, when we peek out like we did on Monday and Tuesday, we kind of get that balancey vibe. And then we had this news Wednesday and Thursday. We really, I mean, we moved some. The biggest thing we accomplished is getting above 70, in my opinion. But then just because we cleared that, the market kind of digests those kind of clearing an old balance. And then, you know, buyers and sellers are trying to decide where they're going to find value next. And is that value going to be above, just slightly above this? Are we going to have to explore price higher or are we going to abandon this move and rotate back into the old distribution? And so with the news not really getting us really cooking either way, mm -hmm. um, today was a day to be nimble 
a little bit because so like on this trade, normally I would be looking for places to add on a trade like this because thinking like I might have just bought the low a day and I have this this nice setup on Delta that kind of confirmed what mm -hmm. I was thinking. But like, again, you have to bring in all the other context. Like I didn't add to this trade at all. I just held it for a long time because of the nature of the day type that we'd created because we'd already been um we'd been below or the whole time so we know there's going to be a war when we come back through the or and that's clear and then you know, like we had a real tough time getting through and yeah yeah um you know all that stuff but again what delta showed me and why i would lean on it is because it showed me that there was potential for somebody to have stops just above that we could run mm -hmm. And, and it's sometimes the when the market gets that little squirt through off of stops, then it kind of gets confirmed with with that continuation vibe. When um, again, when other things show, like we we had a a series of pretty aggressive market buys um, that didn't create a ton of delta, but they were sizable. They were you know nineteen to twenty three. Um, uh, uh, it was like a nineteen lot market buy or just a one order. One order that was mm -hmm. that big that came in once we got above 400, we had three of those. And so you kind of realize now that everyone smells blood in the water for right. the sellers, right. you know? And so then you really want to lean in and let that trade work for you. And it all originated with this sequence of Delta being aggressive selling into the low and then seeing the buyers come in and also seeing a couple of market, uh, a big market sells in that area as well that didn't really produce anything, you yeah. know, and you got to think like if you're trading, um, unless you're really just low time frame scalping, are you looking for six points or seven points on the NASDAQ? Like, <laughs> come on, man, you, no, maybe, but if you're banks, you're looking for six or seven points, but you're trading 30 lots of NQ. Right. So that's, but he trades differently than I do. But like for me, I mean, I'm not looking for I'm not looking for ten points. Like I'm looking for, a, for a, handles. a rotation. Yeah. yeah, I'm looking for yeah. I mean, I'm scaling my first you know little bit of my position around twenty points, and then ultimately I'm leaving a runner on for a hundred, and I'll be down to you know I'll be down to one contract after fifty or sixty points. But I'm scaling all along the way. Um, so when you you flip that around, those sellers like. Did they get the big move that they were hoping for? Right, like, right. come on, man. No, they just got stuffed. <laughs> uh, so you kind of mentioned using, you think you said it was a 512 tick chart. That's for, right. For looking at Delta. That, I'm assuming that's Delta by candle. Um, there's a couple that's other right. ways that I've looked at it before. I'll just uh, get your thoughts on that. So one of them is, yeah. um, like you said, painting your candles uh, different colors. I like that for looking for a driving like one side participant, like trying to to stuff one of those That's lows, right. but then looking to see the immediate um, reversal of that. Like it, it, to me, that's an indication of that guy saying, "Oh fuck that! No, I don't want this anymore. I'm, I'm getting the hell out of here." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's that, yeah. and then there's another uh, thing that I experimented around with, but I don't think I ever really had too much luck. Was trying to use points of delta to look for places where I'd expect pullbacks to to stop at or stall at. Thinking like if we've got a block, I trade ES. So if I got a block, uh, like a two point range where I've got, you know, 600 Delta, uh, you know, to, uh, up to like a thousand, you know, going in through that two point range and we're coming back up and retesting that. Yeah. I'm thinking, hey, all these people that bought here, they're probably going to want to get out and at break even. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's so 
I would I would think that goes into the um kind of the structural delta is the way I would ah, phrase okay, that. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, which we can we can kick that around because we everything we talked about so far with this trade example and and the idea of delta has been really a, a narrow lens at candle yeah. by candle. So when you when you think when you're talking about like oh if we pull back to here and like a good if then statement for an entry, mm-hmm. I like to look at delta from the last like like 24 hours right for something like that okay so the way i have my dom set up is i'm looking at the delta from the last 24 hours and then i'm looking at delta that's built in the last hour on the other side of my dom so i've got delta that's built in the last 24 on the left side delta that's built in the last hour on the right side and so i will at times I'll more use them for inflection points instead mm-hmm. of entries. But like um, the other day I was using ES as a proxy because um, we had a, I, I don't remember the price, but I'm going to make it up um, for the example. Like <laughs> you could probably guess 4160 to 4130, somewhere in that range. I think it was like right. 4152 if go. I'm not mistaken. <laughs> and there was a spot that was 4152 and there seen there was a ton of Delta one way or the other. Let, I, th- I think it was positive Delta. Mm-hmm. And so we were coming into the open again, if that's not the exact price, my apologies, but NQ was kind of in a weird spot where I didn't have anything great there. Um, and um, on ES, both by looking at the TPO chart, as well as looking at this, the Delta chart, there was this alignment of this, um, of this 4153 or it may have been, it was 4132. I don't remember, but what I remember is talking to the room and saying, Hey, since ENQ is kind of eh on where we're opening with regard to strong structural levels and things like that, mm-hmm. I'm going to lean on ES as a proxy and how it deals and digests this really, really strong Delta that it's presenting at this given price. And so then as it, mm. as ES was above that, I would be leaning more to the long side on NQ. Okay. And then as ES was below that, I was leaning more towards the, the short side, thinking of that same thing, that there's real exposure there. Mm-hmm. And so if we start to trail a little above that, are we going to start clipping some of those stops and kind of sliding higher? And then if, or, or vice versa, you know, because Delta's created at market. But for every buyer, there's a seller. Right. So when you think about Delta, there's exposure both ways. Yes, and that's there's yes. exposure for the guy on the market side. There's exposure to the guy on the limit side. So you could, in theory, I like the context of was it negative Delta or positive, but you could just look at Delta as an inflection point with no directional just, bias. It's just a place of just interest. The absolute value. Just the fact that there is Delta created yeah. there is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that's probably how I look at like, quote unquote, structural Delta versus candle by candle is going to be more through the lens of um, kind of pivotal spots. Banks is really good at that. Um, Like he rolls, he runs a 30 minute rolling Delta profile and he references the last 30 minutes to find his inflection points for like his if then statements. Like, you know, if you're in, if you're already in a trade, and you're like, okay, if ES can blank, then blank. It's like, okay, I'm in, I'm long from, from you know, whatever, forty one fifty, and if Delta, if we can get above forty one fifty three, then I can add to this trade, anticipating us sliding up. Or banks will, banks will abandon a trade, 
um, if we get up to a delta, a real high uh, a, a cluster of delta, um, if we get up there and start to like falter or struggle, mm-hmm. he'll just start peeling off some of his size. That makes sense. Because you don't want to be fully exposed there. The, the only, I would say the other thing about uh, structural delta, which is, I would say, would differentiate structural from like executional. Because uh, again, even with the delta spot like that, I would like to see um, I would like to see something on the candle by candle basis to really give me the the details of what's going on. But if if um, on my hourly chart, um, I keep a um, I keep a rolling delta on my hourly chart of um, of the last two days. Okay, and that that is very helpful. Um, a lot of times with with delta, you'll see. Like a lot of times with structural delta, people will make a little bit of a mistake by thinking, okay, we've got a lot, a lot of negative delta at 13,385. So if we touch 13,385, I'm going to get long. A lot of times what we do is we actually slide into that delta, churn it a little bit, and then either stop or run reversal to go back up if you're trying to trade the mm-hmm. off that, or we'll churn that delta for a little while. Um, and those all those transactions will trade places, you know, and will and you'll see that negative delta begin to adjust or whatever. So it's almost like you're using delta not as like a confirmation tool or an entry tool, but more for just another way to help you identify: is there a fight happening here? Yeah. Or do I expect a fight to happen here because I can see the blood from the last battle? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, a hundred. When you're thinking of structural delta, yes, mm-hmm. um, it's usually not like a stop on the dime re- reversal type thing. Right. But if you if you were to throw a twenty four hour or a two day delta profile, so this would again, this is for people that aren't familiar, like a volume volume profile, which is on the right hand side of your chart. You can change that to look at delta, and then it'll show you delta a delta profile. And, it'll, and the Delta profile will show you where at market activity has transacted over the last however long you want to look. And for me, on my hourly chart, it's the last two days. And so like today, right now, like at 31, uh, 385, we have a lot of negative Delta compared to the rest of the last two days movement. Mm-hmm. And that also lines up with the body close and open of the one hour candle, um, the two one hour candles that kind of peaked below that. And so that's mm-hmm. just contextually, like that's good to know. Like that's a spot that buyers would need to hold if we come back down there. Um, because if not, then it tells you two things. One, that the, those sellers, um, either their stops have already been hit and they're gone. So that Delta, it doesn't matter. Or, that those guys are going to reaffirm that when we get down there and sell the freak out of it. And if they do that, then we're getting on the other side of a big Delta block, which again, they, they act as pivotal, right? So like they begin to get what they wanted. The one thing that I will say is like a little fuzzy to me. And um, just to be totally vulnerable and honest is like, it, it, I lean towards telling the story of Delta holding stops but or like people wanting to get out at break even, but I struggle to believe the story that someone is still holding a short that they sold at market at thirteen three eighty five, and they're just uh, oh almost a hundred points off sides and still holding that, waiting to get yeah. out at break even. I've I've wondered the same thing myself too, but I mean I don't yeah. know. I guess some there's some people who call their broker and say, hey, buy me a thousand contracts of ES, and then they just hang up the phone. Yeah, and you ought to think like yeah, like there's. 
you'd be silly to think that there's not institutional transactions that happen in the futures market. Obviously, we know that's true. Right. And those are like can be more price insensitive buyers and sellers. And so in some ways, there is something to that idea. But I think the biggest takeaway is just like where there's a lot of delta, there was a, there was a lot of interest. Yes. And if you can identify that either from a delta profile or candle by candle, um, that is um, – or looking at Delta on your DOM. And and there's some cool features on uh, CR charts is what I trade on. And there's some cool features with like, you can have your daily Delta on one side of your DOM. And then on the other side, you could be looking at just Delta from the last five minutes. And, you know, I like to look at it from the last hour, but you can adjust the time frame. And to the, to the point of candle by candle, the, the time frame does affect it to some extent. So mm. um, for, for me, I'm looking at it through, candle by candle through two lenses um just from trial and error my trading style my experience i like to watch it through the 512 trade lens so 512 trade chart um and then i like to look at it through um like a 750 volume chart which they usually tell a pretty similar story Mm -hmm. but you get a little more granular view in my opinion from the 750 volume so it just depends on the day type and how things are kind of going as to which one but usually i have both of them kind of in view or one click away so i'll i'll watch 512 most often and reference the 750 when i'm like oh that didn't show anything on 512 i'll go over to 750 to see and i'm like oh they actually so like on on today's low when we when we went below um whatever that was the um 76s like 512 trade just showed um so my candle bars are just gray unless they're colored by delta so that showed a bunch of gray a green a bunch of gray and then green out of the lows whereas the 750 volume they both showed that super aggressive sell above 300 but then the 750 actually showed a few more less aggressive sell attempts which was really nice um for me to see and be able to have like, man, they're actually still trying a little bit, but they're running out of gas. You can actually they sold see it the super hard. You can yeah. see the strength waning almost in real time. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I'll send you a screenshot of that low just so you can compare the two, and and uh, if you want to sh- put it in show notes or whatever. You yeah, can. I'll make sure that I'll make sure that it gets stuck in the uh, the web page one. I don't think it'll show up on the yeah. if you're looking at it via your app uh, like Spotify, but uh, it'll definitely be on the website. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so the other way, so the, so again, I would consider those structural versus executional structural Delta. You could look at the last 24 hours and just go, where did we have the most Delta? Yeah. You know, I mean, that's something I'm sure that there's some benefit to. I, I just, um, I find my structural levels and my places I want to execute from a TPO chart, watching and tracking balance and value. That's been the most beneficial thing. And then once I have those zones, then I kind of confirm or negate based on some of the structural delta. So looking at delta, um, like um, a delta profile, as well as in the trading environment, watching it candle by candle. Mm -hmm. So um, other ways people look at delta, I think people look at delta with um, uh, cumulative delta for like a day or whatever. I I feel like for me, that is too um, obtuse of a measurement to be actionable. I've tried watching it. I have it on my chart. I still look at it and reference it, but I have not figured out any way to make anything meaningful out of it. Yeah. Most, most people are looking for it. Most people that I've been aware of are looking at it to confirm something. So I'm long. I want to see 
cumulative delta moving up, um, or we're coming into a low and we're making new lows with price and cumulative delta is actually not making new lows. Okay, I can see that being interesting. But to me, like, I mean, yeah, I just don't. But you're gonna. I've not back tested that. I've never. I've never really felt like it was actionable. Problem with that, in my opinion, would be if you're watching the cumulative delta, then why not just watch it on the candle and you can see that positive delta is coming in at that low. Like you're gonna see the. Yeah, I think or you see, see negative the, delta blow yes. in and get ran over. You know. I think you're gonna see the information in a much more clear picture if you're using like a five twelve tick chart, like you mentioned, or or, or looking at it on a. Yep. I like a 12 tick footprint on, on my charts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for sure. Um, let's see another way to kind of begin to interpret Delta. So structural versus executional. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like I mentioned, most of the people in this go back and listen to the other episodes of like Flary talking about stuff. Yeah. Um, he has some interesting ways that he has derived um, Delta with like a directional bias from like session to session and things like that. Like the Leroy boxes? Yeah, and I think there's some really cool stuff in that. I just, I mean, I'm just not as smart as him when it comes to that kind of thing. So I don't, yeah, I mean, that's not something I use every day. But I, there's definitely, there's definitely, um, there's an R skew to the positive side with that kind of thing. Um, but I'm sure he's done talks about it on, y'all, y'all referenced it on the Back to the Futures or whatever. But um, that's a thing. I'm sure he's covered yeah, it in some way. That's a thing. Um. Another thing that um, I would say is like we mentioned this a little bit, but like developing Delta. Mm -hmm. So the reason that I keep the Delta, um, the hourly Delta and the the last days, like the last 24 hours Delta on my um, Dom is so that in the moment I can see absorption much more clearly mm-hmm. not absorption that happened yesterday but absorption that's happening right now right, right like i can read the time and sales i can watch the tape i, I mean I, I that's like i built a chart called visualize dom to try to not have to watch the dom anymore because i like to look in I like looking at candlesticks but right. i keep that there because if i see negative delta coming in on my execution chart I can glance right over at the Dom and know not just that it was positive 300 in the last candle, but that that positive 300 or negative 300 is landing in a spot where over the last hour, we've already done, we've already got, you know, a thousand Delta hung up in a five point range. So then that gives me even more information to be able to tell a story. So I like to watch the developing Delta on like a bigger picture mm-hmm. because you start to get an idea of absorption. And, and if you've tried to trade absorption, you know that like we absorb and then slide down a tick below it. And then those buyers come in at market, push it back up. And that's kind of what you want to see for confirmation there. Well, it's almost like you need their stops to get knocked out. So that way they can yep. get angry and buy right back yep. in. Yep. You need to see that. Or you see that like, uh, Retail traders, I mean, obviously I'm a retail trader, I guess, technically, but um, retail traders with super tight stops, you know, you're trading NQ with a four point stop, like probably going to get hammered on every wiggly move that happens. But people try to do that. Oh, we just put in a bunch of positive delta um, or a bunch of negative delta into the lows. That's getting absorbed. Pull the trigger right now. Tight stop. Stop it till swing low. Well, if you did that today, you, you got stopped out and then it ran 100 points from there. Now, now that you mentioned that, I've, I've I've tried using Delta blocks like uh, I mentioned earlier for like 
informing where to trail my stops and yep. it always seems like those are good ad points that i get taken out at yeah yeah i mean that's the thing <laughs> and i think yeah. that it makes sense what I, what you're saying yep. yeah a little slip through yep. it and then it goes yeah it's like uh it's like when you're uh somebody tosses you something you're like bobbling in your hands trying to catch it and then you take your hands off and just reach lower and grab it you know oh, that's the way i think yeah, of it okay. like okay. they're just fumbling the low sense. and then they whoop, whoop, we're gonna grab that scoop and run and and i do also think that delta for me i probably i would be careful if if as you think about it you think oh this is how i'll catch the low or this is how yeah. i'll catch the high yes that is probably part of it but you don't have to have delta for a low or a high for the low of the day or the high of the day it does not have to be some giant delta iceberg situation you can't just have a low without it no normally you want excess don't you yeah yeah i mean you, like a completed option yeah. that's indicating that they're done here yeah so you have to watch out for being pushed to be like a real contrarian with delta which is the balance right mm. because i like to take my entries in areas of interest when somebody makes a mistake mm. when i see the mistake happen what i perceive as, as a mistake based on my narrative um like today into the 70s fumble mistake capitalize on that right i have to i have to be careful that i don't always approach the market like that which is why i'm such a an advocate for the 30 second open and range as being your first and prim most primary level in the first, you know, 15 minutes of the day. Like that first 30 seconds is my first level. And then from there, the proximity to other levels gives me my direction as to, am I going to take the OR long, short, whatever, or mm -hmm. am I going to wait till we get to a level? And so today, since my first spot was, you know, 40 points below the OR, I didn't want to deal with getting only one and a half sets of scales off or two sets of scales off. I wanted to be ready and fresh decision wise to make a good decision when we got to that spot. Mm -hmm. Now I made a couple of uh, long trades before that off of Delta and large volume orders that happened and got two sets of scales off and they were easy long side trades. And then, um, and then the real, the real, you know, cream of the crop type trade came a little bit later in the day which is annoying because I like to be done um, pretty quick. And so I had to sit around <laughs> and wait for it. We were joking in the chat today. You would have got a kick out of it, but uh, about, Oh, I was on timeout today <laughs> about the market giving us, um, they did the opposite of giving us a raise. They gave us a cut pay cut. Right. Right. Because we're having to wait longer for our, for good setup. So, right. But yeah, I just would say, be careful trying to be a contrarian and using Delta as the thing to do that. Like, you know, there's some real R skew in the OR directional trade when you give it enough room um, and you don't take profit too quickly. Um, and so I just wanted to say that as like a PSA because right. um, what you could infer from this conversation is Baba Yaga is buying every low and selling every high. And that's not the case. <laughs> You've been around enough to know I'm I'm not doing that at least anymore. Right. I will say that in in my other podcast we did with you guys when we talked through trading and stuff one of the things that that had to change for me to become consistently profitable was I had to get over the the ego of being the guy that bought the low and mm -hmm. sold the high mm -hmm. um because what I realized is that worked great like for 10 days or 20 days and then we had a trend day and that would take 
um, that would take all my profit back because I would be trying selling to catch every peekaboo high trying yeah. to catch this rocket ship or buy a falling knife. And so I had to kind of retool um, my approach because think about it logically. If I can make money, make money, make money, make money, lose it all in one day, then my strategy or my 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 cerebral approach isn't nearly as good as I thought because that one day is should be the day I make right. a whole bunch of money. Right. And the other days I just make a little bit. And so that was when I really started to see some consistent profitability trading from where the market opens out to these spots, making buyers push me out of a short 50, 60, 70 points lower, mm-hmm. or I have a level a hundred points lower. Well, I'm going to trade short off the OR down to that level. That's okay. But if it's inside of 50 points, probably not. But if it's that far down, then yeah, let's, let's not just sit on our hands and wait to get into that. And then if it's wrong, then what do you do? You shot your one shot. That was your trade thesis. And then they blow through it. And then you have the peril of, well, I can't short when we're this far down or I can't long when we're this far up. Right. So it, it, I just say all that as a caution, like don't use Delta to fade strong market and think that that it has like my stamp of approval. Like that's not how I apply it. It has to be for me around an area of significant interest and then it can be a confirming tool to that story or it can negate that story. It can also be a confirming tool for places to add, places to take profit, um, that kind of thing. But I just don't want to think that this conversation sets off a bunch of people into let me fade the tips of the market using Delta because right. it's not going to work out well for you. Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as Sue Pullen, and I'm pleased to announce that she's back, fresh off a rebrand and ready to help as Sue Mackey. Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackey it happen for you. The best way to reach her is just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email, spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, S-P-U-L-L-E-N at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. Uh, so I actually had another question I wanted to ask. Yeah, uh, and then, hit me with it. Well, it, this kind of just goes back to what we're talking about with market selling versus uh, passive buying. Like the person, why is the person who's market selling more important than the person who's passively buying? That's one thing I always struggle, I think, to wrap my head around. Is it just because the emotional component behind like who's placing the orders or is there something more to it than that? Well, I think, I mean, I think that plays a part in it. I think generally, I think that large market participants are on the limit side of most of the transactions they do. Mm -hmm. Um, How are you going to fill 250 lots? You're not going to do that at market. If you do, sometimes they do. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes they do, which which is another little thing, which is large volume trades that I think uh, everybody should be tracking as well, which, you know, if we have time, we can hit on that with the apply, but. For me, it comes down to who is crossing the line, right? So if you sell at market, you're crossing the line. I don't do a ton of my business at market, and I'm not a huge player. I do some of it, but I try not to do 
only, you know, I don't try to do all of it at market. I try to do some of it at market, most of it at limit. So you think of like patience comes into play a little bit or into the conversation and then impulse. Like it's hard to be an impulsive trader if you're always trading at limit. Yeah. So when I'm looking at Delta and it getting created and I know that it's the product of, uh, of an at, of at market orders, then if it comes in in a spot that I think is real vulnerable, um, that's why I lean heavier on that on that idea. Um, I think at market is probably most of your less conviction type traders, breakout and breakdown traders. I feel like breakout and breakdown traders probably generally struggle to maintain consistent profitability. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, that breakout breakdown kind of thing goes hand in hand with Delta where it usually is showing up. And so, um, yeah, I think the limit the limit trader is probably a more patient, decisive, has a plan, bigger, less price sensitive. And I think your at market participants um, tend to be a little more price sensitive. And so that's why I don't, Wanna, I don't even want to say this out loud, but a lot of times I Delta gives gives me that confirmation to fade something potentially, or it confirms it. Like mm-hmm. we leave OR with a bunch of strong buy Delta, um, and I don't have a level above OR for you know a hundred points or seventy points. Well, I mean that tells me that people are going the way I want to go. So let's go. Right. It's almost like you're waiting to see which way the bus is going before you jump on. Yeah, dude. And I really think like, um, like, like even today, right? Like, um, when we had the news come in at eight 30, we basically, we had already kind of pre popped from the news from eight o'clock and we'd ran up, you yeah. know, from 400, 400s up to like four sixties. And then we, we had a string of real aggressive buying both, um, both that created Delta and uh large market orders. But Again, it kind of tells the story, right? There was enough limit side participants passively soaking all of that that they just walked price all the way down. We didn't trade a tick above OR, which is what made me extremely careful for the long side trade because one of the hallmarks of a trend day is no tick above the OR. Mm. I don't try to act smarter than the market, but today was one day where in the room I said, hey, this is no tick above the OR, but there's a strong opportunity just a little bit lower. So I'm not trading to the short side. I'm waiting for that trade, but I'm going to be you know, careful, nimble, and whatever. But this is a scenario where a lot of retail is probably overly short and overly aggressively selling, and we could see a real unwind against that mm-hmm. because we had all the hallmarks post-open of trend day down. And so – but – Again, it's, it's like playing chess, right? Like there was this opportunity to ex, to expose. When someone became exposed, there was an opportunity to jump on um, and fade that. And and I think that flipped the whole narrative for the day. Um, and I think that most people were probably trying to sell this down and thinking we're going to roll right back down. But they overlooked that um, top of balance spot and kind of got hung up, you know? I feel like they've been trying to sell this thing back down for the last month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. I mean, you know, I for some reason I get frustrated with the sell side when I'm on it. Yeah, um, yeah. Sometimes, like, although my largest trade to date was a sell was a sell side trade. Um, well, I take that back. My largest trade to date was a Bitcoin trade from a long time ago, but that was a long trade for sure because that was like in 2000 whatever when Bitcoin was just going moon. But 
in equities, my largest trade has been a sell side trade, but I, I get frustrated when the sellers fumble it, man. Like oh, they yeah. just, even in this bear market, it's especially when you got, you had it, you had it, you had it, man. You freaking had it. And you can see that they, I can see they had it because of the level and because of Delta. And then they just get too excited and blow their load. And then, and you're screwed yeah. um, if you're tr trying to roll with them. So, okay. But, but that was a long answer to your question, but, but I think limit, I think limit side market participants are less price sensitive and um, at market participants are more price sensitive and um, probably have brackets playing and probably have stops that are just above a, a local swing high. And like that kind of narrative starts to um, starts to play in my mind when I see this stuff come in. That makes a lot of sense, actually, now that you mentioned that, especially the stop portion. Yeah. Yeah. And vo velocity of that move too. like yeah. velocity of the moves plays a huge role. Like the market, you have to ask yourself, not you, but like your general person, like ask yourself, what type of behavior does the market tend to reward? Mm -hmm. You know, impulsive, emotional decisions, right? Yeah, no, no, not at all. Right. <laughs> it, 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 it seems to reward from my experience that um, methodical, consistent approach to identifying key areas and then an opportunistic approach to your execution tools. And that's what Delta kind of helps me with, right? Helps me yep. see those opportunistic opportunities around a key area of interest. So, yeah. All right. Well, do we have any other uh, apply that you want to cover before we start diving into some of these questions? Because I think some of these are actually going to cover some of the points I see on your notes here. Yeah. Um, I would say that... We just covered it a little bit with the emotional thing, mm -hmm. but Delta pulls the veil back on the emotions of, of what a trader is, at least the way I infer it, what, it, what traders are thinking. That makes sense. You know? Yeah. And so, again, not to like harp on it, but like a, a real high velocity move into a low that kind of stalls, you get a bunch of negative Delta, you got a bunch of market participants firing off sizable orders, and we're just moving six points. And then we rebid that move. Like those are the things that you look back at the chart if it's blank and you think, how would you have known that that was a good opportunity? Mm -hmm. You know? And so a lot of the way that I look at the market has come from that simple exercise. Think of it as one person and put yourself in the emotional state that they're in. Yeah. Yeah. And, th and think, and think what, if you're trying to, but I mean, if you're trying to think of strategy for like what tools help me get long, what tools help me get short, what tools help identify key levels, find a spot you think you wish you would have had. I, I mean, I hate to say it, it sounds crass. When I really crossed the threshold, one of the earlier thresholds of like a trading breakthrough mm -hmm. years ago, I looked at a blank chart, nothing on it. And I thought, where, where would I, did I wish I would have bought? So I started identifying some spots. Where do I wish I would have added? Well, I wish I would have known how to add. Why? Why I could have added there? And then I messed around with time frames and tried to figure out what what presented an opportunity from just a candle to candle basis. And then I just started adding things that that gave context to that to to the chart as a whole. Mm -hmm. And then then tried to see what things started to line up with those. Maybe you don't buy those swing low, but the like when they when the market rebids that, well, you know, it sounds crazy, but like you could have bought three sixty four with a stop at three sixty yeah. today, you know? Yeah. Well, why? Well, we rebid the low and we had really strong positive delta up out of a spot that was slightly below a place where we had a ton of negative delta and no one had follow through. Like so I say that to say like taking something like this, having a, a blank chart 
or even just identifying your areas of interest that you how you would normally go about it and then put this on there and see if it's if it if you get some stuff firing off in areas that you already have interest don't throw this on there and buy every time there's buy delta and yeah. sell every time there's yes. sell delta so, so yeah contextualize that delta and watch the for like you said that emotional piece of like it's you versus one other person and they're on the other side of all of this so that actually sounds like some really good homework then. So the homework would be to take take a blank chart, pick the points that you wish you would have had a trade on, and then go back and look and see what Delta was doing at those points. And do that. Yeah, dude. Just Heck do that yeah. until you start seeing some commonalities. Yeah. I mean, and again, it's not magic, right? But like... Pattern recognition, right? Yeah, it's pattern recognition. And also, like, I would just... How do you know if a sell candle had any juice behind it Mm -hmm. or a buy candle really had any juice behind it? Like if the market moved up, yeah, but if the market moved up on really strong delta, well, that tells you a little more information. So it's, it's, again, it's like, let's get, you know, I I kind of, you know, like, let's get inside the candle. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you were really, 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 really good at reading the DOM and somehow had a photographic style memory. You see all of like that's why really solid Dom traders are like really OG old school traders. Mm-hmm. They watch the Dom play out and they like see this, like they see it in the time and sales and they see it in the Dom. Right. I just I just it's hard for me to pick up on all of that nuance just watching the Dom, and so that's why this candle to candle basis kind of helps tell that story. So it's not like it's not magic. I mean, it's just watching the flow of orders come into the market and ascertaining you know, some potential directional bias and where somebody's exposed and what would it look like for the market to ca- for you to capitalize on that in the market, that potential exposure. Yep. Not right. Every time I take stops, I have red days, you know, I'm a normal dude, but um, this is a good tool. And I think that's a great homework, dude. All right. Let's, let's make that the homework then. Yeah, let's do it. Done. All right. We got two minutes left before we hit the hour mark, which we can go a little over. Let's uh the, yeah, let's hit some questions. Yeah. All right. So Final Devil asked this question about delta in delta out. Okay. He wants to know how you can tell if it's genuine or just a reaction like short covering or uh people exiting closing their positions before a continuation move. Yeah. Um I would say location, you know. Mm. So um I I don't know exactly what he means. I know what he probably means by delta in delta out. But... So okay, I can I think I, I think I can give you kind of an example. Like you have a really strong move with a lot of negative delta, like say a big sell candle pushes down, and then suddenly you start seeing a lot of buying come in. Mm-hmm. Um, is that buying like how can you tell if that buying is those people exiting their positions or just or are they you know are people coming in trying to support this because there's two different things, right? If people are yeah. buying this aggressively because they want it, that's one thing. Or, if it's people selling to or covering their their trades, covering the short, they just yeah. That's another thing. Like how do you how can you infer the difference? Yeah, I mean that's a really good question. I think there's obviously watching watching it a lot um, is one thing. For me, again, delta in no man's land is not executional. Mm-hmm. So like like a large volume trade in no man's land is more executional than a delta than a standalone delta candle in no man's land. And when I say no man's mm. land, I just mean in the middle of like you don't have a level. It's not a key zone. You weren't looking at that before the market opened that day, and then you get some crazy delta pop in. It's like mm-hmm. okay, so I mean someone was interested, but 
if it doesn't align with your plan, then it's kind of out. Um, yeah. When you think of like delta into an area, delta out, then if it's a peak below a swing, um, that's going to be stronger than if it's like, like if we're grinding up, we get some real positive delta, then we get some negative delta. Like that could just be some buyers from before covering, and then and that didn't make a new swing low, that wasn't into a swing high. You know, I wouldn't really put much weight on that. Um, wait for that to be reoffered. If we push up there and you start to see negative delta come back in, or you start to see, um, you know, even like you start to see positive delta build on your on your um, so negative delta candle by candle, or if you see like absorption coming in from the watching delta um, like a uh, on your dom. Mm-hmm. Then, then that gives a little. Like again, you wait a little bit, and you get a little more context. I, I would be very hesitant to fire off a trade just because in a random place we had delta in, delta out. So I think how to tell if it's genuine is probably more around where it's placed, yeah. and then um, if they rebid it or reoffer it, which sounds like a cop out because, like, well, how do we know if when it pulls back <laughs> they're going to rebid it? Well, there's, well here's you have another. Have to kind of watch it. Another way I maybe look at that too is. Like if it's a big block of sell delta that's getting wiped out by buy delta, is the buy delta happening above the sell or is it happening below the sell? Like if it's well below, then yeah, it's probably a good chance that that's people, you know, closing out their positions. Yeah. If they're getting run over, then yeah, that should be pretty obvious that uh, that's that's people exiting and getting chased out. Yeah, so I did um, some back testing on delta. Um, so if you if you look at delta per candle. Um, and you say you take any delta in a 512 trade candle, any delta above 200 positive mm-hmm. or 200 negative. When you have an area, let's say that you get uh, negative delta followed in the next immediate candle. So negative 200 delta in the next immediate candle followed by positive 200. You would think that that would be a great time to just yeah. scalp a trade and go for it. Yep. But I will I will say that over the long haul, that is not a profitable strategy because, again, the location of that is what is hard to quantify. Right. And so you need to be able to quantify a little bit more context than just a simple sequence of Delta coming in and Delta coming out, either to the buy and sell or sell and buy. What I yep. do find is that if you have, let's say, a really high amount of Delta followed by a mediocre amount of, of opposing Delta – that actually seems to be more, um, or I mean, um, as far as back testing, that is a little more profitable if you just blindly mm-hmm. take it. Still, gotcha. not not a great strategy for long term success, but you know, it doesn't take as much work to run it back against those stops as as it as um, you might would think. I think the key point that you're making here is that any one tool is going to be kind of useless on its own. Yep. That's when you start having multiple ones firing and telling you the same story. Yeah. confluence of of information yeah but i think that's i mean i think that's a, you know sufficiently gets him looking in the right way yeah, yeah, yeah. how to look at it for sure yep uh i think you might have already answered Purdue's question but maybe you can give the short version the various ways you're looking at delta or your preferred way yep. even uh footprint cumulative time frames etc yeah, time frames and volume. So five twelve, well five twelve trade. I look at that. Mm-hmm. I look at seven hundred and fifty volume, and I'm again looking at the candle by candle delta with regard to that. I don't really look at cumulative delta, and I reference footprint charts um, for um, for more for like continuation stuff, where okay. you're going to pick up on a zone that's being absorbed, where you're not going to see that 
candle by candle necessarily. Yeah. Excuse yeah, me. Yeah. Or when I'm watching the Dom, um, watching the Dom and watching for absorption as for continuation or for an ad. Um, mm. But for execution, almost exclusively, I'm looking for I have an area of interest, and then I have tools confirming, and that is tools confirming being Delta. Um, it's not the only. I mean, let me say for clarity, it's not the only thing I'm looking at. But right, which one? Which of those uh, is your favorite, though? Five twelve by far. Yep. Gotcha. By far. Now, even. I will uh, say, curveball fifteen second Delta is super fun. Really? Yeah. Yeah, huh. with the same with uh, with the same parameters. Yeah, so for, yeah. for 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 sake of just clarity, um, plus one hundred or minus one hundred, plus two hundred minus two hundred, plus three hundred mm-hmm. minus three hundred. Those are the the three um, like thresholds that I use in like uh, my color bar alert that mm-hmm. I have, um, and I pay most attention to plus two hundred. Minus two hundred and plus three hundred minus three hundred. Once you I'm, take it down to a fifteen second chart, and in fifteen seconds, if you get minus three hundred or plus three hundred, it can be a it can be a cool, very very detailed story that's starting to get told. Sounds like you're just catching the really big trades then at that point, right? Yep. Yeah, you're yeah. catching like when someone really fumbles it in a tight yeah. time frame. So. All right. Uh, let's see. A uh, Gildan seventy five asks uh, constant volume bars, pros and cons, and a good volume to start with. Uh, if you're gonna do volume, I think seven hundred and fifty. I would for just start NQ. there for NQ, and then for ESGs, man. Um, probably uh, at least double that. Probably fifteen hundred. Yeah, yeah, that seems reasonable. Yep. Pros and cons of the bars. Pros and cons of volume. I'd say the pros of volume is you can see how many, how much volume is taken to move. Ah, okay, okay. How much volume? You know, if you if your volume bar is really small versus a volume bar being really big, then it didn't take a lot of volume to push that. Yeah. So really low volume into a low. I mean, can look like the beginnings of excess or taper. Um, a big volume candle. We just blew the lid off, by the way, on NQ. Um, oh. They just busted a bunch of stops. Sorry. Um, uh, <laughs> big uh, a candle that's really tight and small with a lot of delta and volume can show you like iceberg type activity. Mm-hmm. Um, but but for that, it sounds like like as you're just getting started, I would say take 750 volume, throw it on NQ, look at it with no delta on it, just to get an idea of how the chart starts to play out with mm-hmm. looking at that volume, and then start to add. A threshold um, on Delta. And to do that, it's really simple. There's a study that shows um, a bid-ask um, differential, um, and it's almost like an oscillator. Mm-hmm. And you can use that because it does have the labels like plus 100, plus 200, plus 300, and it's like in um, portion two of your screen on um, Sierra Charts. Yeah, and then yeah. from that, you can you can literally go to Sierra Charts um, board, which I know is a terrifying thing, and search for how to do color bar alerts over a, a threshold, and then just point that color bar alert at that um, at that study that's showing you the delta that's happening, and and that's how you would start to paint the bars. It's pretty easy. It's just greater than or equal to, less than or equal to. Let's say, uh, uh, if you have tr- any trouble trying to set that up, uh, Gildan, just uh, throw a post in the Discord. We'll we'll make sure we get you sorted out. Yeah, dude, send me a message. Yeah. I mean, Bob yeah. Yago on Discord. I, I don't. You don't have to be a friend to message me. I'll send you. I'll send you a chart book with the color bar marks on there. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd love to help somebody with that. 
Okay, Joel has three questions on here, which he generally love does. Joel. He does that a lot. <laughs> love him. Freaking love that guy. I think we have answered the first two. So the last one was when you started to touch on the large market sweeps. Uh, I think that's probably the good one to, to, to spend our time on here. So what yeah. what can you infer from them? Um, so I assume large market sweeps. Would you think he's referencing like... Somebody who's dumping a big order, uh, market sell, market buy. Yeah. So I referenced this earlier, and um, and we've done so good on time. I mean, we're just a few minutes oh, over. Oh, that's amazing, and, and yeah. I'm, I'm so thankful that we've talked twice before this so that we could be a little more concise. Right. Um, so I appreciate that. But um, so large market sweeps are, I would, I mean, I really watch them a lot, dude. Um, mm-hmm. Like, and what I'm looking for, um, and so, Joel, if this makes sense to you, great. If not, dude, let's get on a call or in screen share and we can talk through it. I'm, t- I'm so down for that. It's not even funny. Um, oh, you guys should make a video. Yeah, we can make a video. I'd love to do that. But if go. you didn't want to do a video, I'd just do it just to do it. Um, I'll draw, do a video. Yeah. So large market sweeps. What, what I'm looking at is for the NQ, for whatever reason, this is just anecdotal me watching it. It seems like any orders larger than 19 seem to have the potential for some implication. Like mm-hmm. they seem to matter a little bit. Like it seems like under 19 contracts, you can fly under the radar over 19 contracts. It seems like you get picked up. Mm-hmm. Okay. So sweeps that happen. So if you see large market orders into swing highs that are within the reasonable realm of a zone that you would want to short mm-hmm. and you see sweeping by happening, happening that then like pulls immediately back and it's met by a large market sale of some similar size, so 19 orders or greater, that's kind of the same thing as delta in, delta out, but mm-hmm. for large trades, right? And, it, and again, mm, okay. like context is key, but just think of the story that tells. I just sold 20, we moved down two points, and then someone just bought 20, either that trader or someone else, Yeah. right? Like, And, and think about like, I mean, I don't trade huge size sometimes by accident. <laughs> I think like very early <laughs> on in Delta, I was like, oh God, guys, I was in like three times my position size by accident because I was trade, or actually, I guess it was 10 times my size. Yeah, I've done I that. Was tr- yep. I was trading NQ instead of MNQ, and I was like, geez, yep. my PL is moving fast. But um, <laughs> but think about that. Like you throw on 20, market sell, we move just a little bit, and then someone market buys right back in your face. Um, a swing high where we market by 20, 30 lots, it sneaks the bid up. It sneaks through some of the liquidity on the offer side. Maybe three points comes right back down. You have a wick, but not not just a wick. You have a wick with a story because someone bought the piss out of the top of that wick. And then someone <laughs> turns around and sells it on them. And then Delta follows through, and you see Delta confirming that move away. So, see, Delta's not always something you fade. You see Delta fir- – that, that guy got abandoned. Like, his boys did not come through for him. Right. So, I use this – I use large market sweeps to infer um, most of the time I'm fading those. Most of the time I'm fading those, and most of the time I am fading those because um, that's impulsive activity. And the market does not generally reward impulsive activity. What about so, if you see like um, I'm trying to think of a size that would make sense. So say a hundred lot order sweeps through NQ market sell it, at man. a level that you like. It drops say four or five points, then comes right back up and he hits it again. Now what? 
Okay, so we should have talked about this. Um, we should have mentioned this. All of these numbers, these thresholds, and these market order sizes do not apply to contract role. Okay. Oh, okay, okay, okay. God, and that is the very and we're at the end of the podcast. <laughs> Jesus Christ, make that the banner for this. Yeah. Contract role is the only time that the delta this stuff just you just weird stuff happens like anthony crudelli talks about that um pax talks about that like market role on our contract role is a weird it's people have to do business there they're not choosing to yeah so just every bit of this is with the asterisk not when we're rolling contracts okay um but if you see that um a hundred lots on nq is enough to start a trend day Mm -hmm. um it literally literally it's enough to start trend type activity in the opposite direction or in the continuing direction so if i saw that come in i would go to my little button and go extended rectangle and i would draw a rectangle around that price and -hmm. i would extend it into the future and i would watch as we interacted with it and i would watch for the continuation and delta to confirm that that guy was right or i would watch for delta and other market orders to to negate that guy being right most of the time though an order that size they don't get followed through immediately they're going to get ran through by you know 10 15 points just by the nature of the market right I, i'm sure some people start salivating when they see that you see somebody oh, yeah, gets stuck for a lot yeah. yeah man and and again though the that and that's one of the few things that if it happens in no man's land it can entice me into a trade because of of the amount again the amount of exposure and potential that's right. there but i'll right. tell you this so note note this audience and and joel and whoever listens to this hi mom do what <laughs> i said hi mom yeah mom hi <laughs> um so think about like this is where the large sweeps or large market orders can be super helpful and i mm. always i love it when they happen like this okay we let's say we open we get above the or we pull back to or high and you get a the day it was 127. I'll never forget it because it was a really good day for me. We pulled back to OR high. I was in a trade. We had a market seller sell 127 into OR high and price. We did not move. Someone on the limits on the limit side absorbed every bit of that. We trended like 250 points up that day on the NQ. Hmm. I got long as soon as I saw that order hit at, at overnight at open and range high. Because like what what a fool like right. this is, that's not where you do that kind of business, bro. <laughs> Conversely, when we if we're below OR and we're coming back up to OR, and you see um, you see someone try really hard to get us back into OR by executing like a hundred lot order, and we don't move and we don't get inside of OR. What was that guy trying to do? He was trying to push us back into OR. He was mm-hmm. trying to push through the liquidity into stops. Well, that didn't happen. Fade that guy. Like I yeah. fade that guy. So that that's two scenarios um, into a swing low, massive market sell order. I mean, be real careful following that guy. I mean, now if we move 15 points below that, come back and reoffer it, then join the party. He was right. Right, but, right. But again, location is key. But dude, I'm telling you like. Well, location and reaction. Right? Yeah, everybody in the room though, they know like we will, I will immediately be like, oh baby, like when. If I'm in a long and some market buyer slaps it for like 30 lots into the swing high, I'm like, come on, man, don't do us like that. Because like that's the kind of activity that the market doesn't reward. And so we rotate back off that oftentimes. Mm -hmm. Now, if you look at today, 
like um, we saw that today, like into um, the first uh, the first real push above the OR um, up to like 60. It was like big market buy, you know, 20 lot market buy, 20 lot market buy, 20 lot market buy. Buyers were having to work real hard. They tried to save it multiple times. And then sellers stepped in like a bunch of bosses from 448 down to 440 and they sold us off from there all the way down to 400 like a big dick in a locker room yeah dude like look i'll I'll send you the screenshot but like (laughs) when you see this like if you were trying to garner a position in this like if you were trying to follow that those large market buys like that would have been a tough uh tough thing to do because those guys were were wrong for the in, for the for the intermediate time frame but if you were long from you know much lower you know i hated to see that happen and actually to be quite honest i was at lunch with that other trader when that happened so i was like i didn't see it happen but if i'd have seen that happen i would have probably been been a little tempted to go ahead and close the runner because that like that's that's just very unproductive mm-hmm. so you think of like who's being productive who's not being productive who's really exposed who's not exposed who's making like wise choices that are patient and cerebral and and studly and who's being an idiot you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then oh. like you don't want to trade with the idiots man <laughs> you know <laughs> you don't want to trade with the idiots bro yeah ah fucking hey all right well, we killed it. I think we did it, dude. We did it. Dude, finish line, it. the ribbon just broke across my chest. Where's my Miller Lite? Is right. that what you get after a race? Uh, that's not what I'm getting. <laughs> <laughs> you know no, what I'm saying, though. I'm going to have to rework the uh, the outro on the fly here. So, uh, yeah, we are uh, out of time. We don't have more to discuss because we, we actually did it. So, uh <laughs> I guess we'll be back soon with some other episode other than part two. But in the meantime, if you want to help us out, share this with anybody out there you think that's looking to get better at trading futures and uh, and take care. Want to say goodbye? Oh, yeah. I do want to say goodbye. Guys, love you, mean it. Um, even if you're not in our Discord, I'm still available. Um, I want to resource. I want to see traders um, succeed. I have a real passion for it. So hit me up, Babiago on Discord. Um, for reference, Baba Yaga twelve two two. That's my number. Yeah, Baba Yaga number twelve twenty two. You know that's um, going away, right? Oh, it is. Yeah, you didn't get that message. No, Discord's changing everyone to unique usernames and getting rid of the four digit identifier. Well, they better not take Baba Yaga away from me. I've had it for a long time. If you've had it, the longer you've been on Discord, the quicker you get to pick your username. So they're they doing it based on. I've been on since twenty seventeen. They're doing it based on seniority. Dang. Okay. Well, for right now, it's Baba underscore Yaga number 1222. And if you got questions about this, I really mean it. I will answer them. I will answer you. I will get on a call. I will help you out. Hit me up on Twitter, Baba Yaga on Twitter. I'm down. Like I want to see people do well. And I think, I think Kyle could confirm that. Like I'm not confirm. I'm not lying. I'm, I'm so down. Like I, I'd love to help you if something didn't make sense. Hit me up. I'd love to be helpful. All right, guys. Have a good one. Later. Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. 
It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks and the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.